The Power of the Word is brought to you each week by the support of our partners and friends. Today on Power of the Word. Not only are the Jews God's chosen people, Israel is God's chosen land. So that's one of the reasons, another one of the reasons for the conflict, another reason there's constant conflict. The Jews, or God through the Jews, or through the land of Israel gave us the Bible, which gives us our words of eternal life. So the devil doesn't really like that, amen? And so those are the reasons that that conflict is always constant and will always be constant until Jesus comes back and sets it all in order. That's why it's always going on. The Bible says, Jerusalem shall be a burdensome stone. The closer you get to, uh, to Jerusalem, so to speak, I'm talking about politically or in any way like that, the more, uh, the more warfare is associated with it. Countries that support Israel have warfare directed at them. Words are powerful. In fact, the course for your life is set into motion through your words. In this dynamic book, Dr. King shares the importance of controlling the words you speak. You'll learn how to apply faith through what you say, control your words, thoughts, and attitudes, overcome your problems by declaring the truth of Scripture, and create an atmosphere of faith in your life. To get your copy of Speaking Faith-Filled Words by Dr. Ed King for only $14, visit us at poweroftheword.com or call us at 1-800-956-4433. Set the path for your life today by speaking faith-filled words. Did you bring your Bible? Sometimes people bring their iPad and their phone and every other kind of source for the scripture. You know, we got all kinds of ways we do it. But uh, I just like the plain old ink on paper. Works pretty good for me. I like to mark it up. Amen. Now, we gave you a little uh, prelim on uh, what our topic is today. So we kind of announced that ahead. So if you came expecting that, I'm not going to do that. bad joke. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk to you about uh, the Middle East a little bit, and we've titled this message, Hamas Attacks Israel, and what does it mean? And it does mean a lot. And we're going to try to, what, what we're going to attempt to do today, and, uh, it, and when I say attempt, no matter how much you say, you've never said it all. There's always more to say. And no matter how much we dig into certain truths, there's more truth to dig into. And we just find ourselves, the more questions that we get answered, the more questions that come up. And it's because we see through a glass darkly. We know in part, and we prophesy in part. We have parts, but somewhere in the grand scheme of things, the whole thing will be revealed. And prophecy is one of those things that when you see it in the Bible, you know it's true because it's in there. Now, sometimes even though you know it's true, 
Sometimes the fulfillment of it is not what you would superimpose on, the, on it. In other words, it doesn't come to pass the way you thought it might. And so sometimes we, even though we see it, and we know it's true, we know it's coming, sometimes we don't detect it until it's already happened. That's the way pro prophetic things are. They just unfold. And it's like, oh, you mean this is that? And then it proves to be. You follow? And so that's kind of the way things are. And so uh, we have this, again, Hamas. And if you don't know these things, you've really not been keeping up at all. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about? You know, hopefully uh, we're not that far ahead of where you are. Uh, not saying we're ahead of you all. You may know more than me. But anyway, uh, we want to begin by talking about the grand scheme a little bit, and then we'll bring it down a little bit more to specifics if we can. Is that okay? And we're trying again to connect dots, but there keeps, uh, keeps on being dots added to the paper. And so we connect some dots, but there are more dots coming. All right. So hopefully the things we share with you will give you a, uh, a scope that'll let you see and understand maybe things in the future that have not even yet happened. Amen? Amen. Hopefully. So that's our goals today. Now, Israel, they're God's chosen. God has two elects in the Bible. He has the church, which is the spiritual elect of God, and he has the earthly or natural elect. The Israelis or the Jewish people are God's chosen people, and Israel is God's chosen land. Now, some would disagree with that, but I don't even want to get into the debate of that. That's a, that's a, that's a story for another time. We start with that presupposition, okay? And so in the church, there's a thing called preterism, which puts the church in the place of Israel. Therefore, Israel is no longer the elect. But when Abraham and God told him, he said, now I want you to go out. And he said, I want you to look at, at, the, at the land, the seashore, and, and your inheritance will be like the grains of sand. Now, this is a loose paraphrase, but still, if you can count the grains of sand, then you'll be able to count your descendants. And that's what he said to him. And it's like in the desert. How are you going to do that? Well, you can't do that. And so there's an earthly seed, which again is the nation of Israel, the offspring of Abraham that came through Isaac. Now, there is an offspring of Abraham that came through Ishmael. Okay, but the ones that came through Isaac. And then there is, uh, God told Abraham, he said, also, I want you to go look at the stars. And he said, when you look up, can you number the stars? And of course he couldn't. And he said, your seed will also be like the stars. Now that's a spiritual seed and that's the church. That's us. And so there are two seeds that God talked about. Amen. So there's two elects in the Bible. There's the church and the children of Israel. And because the church came into existence, did not do away with the other did not do away with them. So there's a fight over that land. 
And so there are three major battles. Now, there will probably be a lot more, but there are three major battles mentioned in Scripture that Israel is going to face. They've not happened yet, but they're coming. Everybody say coming. I didn't make you say that to your neighbor, so it wasn't so bad. Amen. Look at your No. Amen. So the first one that we'll talk about briefly, and we'll cover more in just a moment, but is the battle of Psalms 83. There's a battle mentioned there, very specific, very exact in detail of what's going to happen and who it's going to happen with. Israel will win, but it's conflict. And so it's the battle of Psalms 83, we'll call it. And then there's the battle of Gog and Magog. And we've talked about that over the years, quite a few times here in the church. And we've covered that and there's extensive teachings on it we've done. And then there's what we refer to as the battle of Armageddon. And the battle of Armageddon is the battle that comes at the very end of the age when all nations are gathered together against Israel. And that is the culmination of everything. And the Bible says, if Jesus did not come and stop that, that no flesh would be left alive. And so the battle of Armageddon is the event that triggers the coming of the Lord. Not coming in the rapture, but coming in His appearing where every I shall see him, where every I shall behold him when he steps foot on the Mount of Olives and he takes control of this earth for a thousand years. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm talking about his appearing. Amen? Because he comes first for the church. He comes the second time with the church. And they're different. And they're seven years apart, approximately. And I say approximately, there's a reason I say that. They're at least that far apart, maybe a little bit longer. But it's at least that. Amen? And so those are the things that are coming. And so when we talk about these things, we're not going to spend really any time talking about Armageddon. We'll talk a little bit about Gog and Magog, some about Psalms 83, but we'll take you a little bit further so we can understand a little bit more. Now, there is a constant state of unrest toward Israel. And we know that the Jews are God's chosen people in the way that we've already described. And one of the reasons that there's such conflict against the Jews is because the Messiah is a Jew. Jesus is a Jew. Well, I don't like the Jews. I'd probably rethink that. There's surely got to be one you like. But I think I'd rethink it overall. Now, we're not saying just because the Jews are God's chosen people. We're not saying they're perfect people. We're not saying they do everything right. They're just like us. They do things, okay? So follow that, okay? So we don't just embrace everything they do at large and say, well, because they're Jews, it's got to be right. We don't, we don't do that. 
just like a Christian. Everything a Christian does because they're born again doesn't make it right. You follow? So we've got to have some discernment about it and some wisdom about it. Amen? And again, not only are the Jews God's chosen people, Israel is God's chosen land. So that's one of the reasons, another one of the reasons for the conflict. Another reason there's constant conflict. The Jews, or God through the Jews, or through the land of Israel, gave us the Bible, which gives us our words of eternal life. So the devil doesn't really like that. Amen? And so those are the reasons that that conflict is always constant and will always be constant until Jesus comes back and sets it all in order. That's why it's always going on. The Bible says Jerusalem shall be a burdensome stone. The closer you get to, uh, to Jerusalem, so to speak, I'm talking about politically or in any way like that, the more, uh, the more warfare is associated with it. Countries that support Israel have warfare directed at them. Now in the Islamic world, the Bible talks about Satan and it talks about the great Satan. Now to them, the Satan that they refer to is Israel. And the great Satan is the United States because they support Israel. That's from their words. That's their words. Not my words for them, their words. Death to America, death to the Jews, death to Israel. That's their shout. So we're talking about Hamas, and that's what's behind it. Amen? Now, interestingly enough, um, you find in Genesis 6 and 11, it says, The earth also was corrupt before God. Now, this is talking about at the flood, at the time of the flood. Amen? The reason for the flood. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Everybody say violence. Now, the Hebrew word for violence there is the word Hamas. That's the defining word. And the Arabic word behind the word Hamas is the word zeal. And so when you put them together, they are zealous for violence. And that's their name that they chose to describe them. So they told you who they are. And they're trying to live up to it. And so what's behind Hamas and Israel? Well, if you knew no more than that, you know. Amen. And we find in Psalms 121 and 4, it says, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Now the he that's being spoken of here is God himself. And the word keep means to guard or protect. And so Israel has a protector. And so Israel will be protected ultimately from these things. It doesn't stop them from happening. It doesn't mean that there's not death. It doesn't mean that there's not great turmoil. But it does mean God will win. And they will win. It does mean that. Amen. So there's a protection on the Israeli people, and the land of Israel, the Jews, and the land. Amen. Now, I've been asked numerous times 
since this Hamas thing happened, and this will be uh, not necessarily people here in the church, uh, some, but others, you know, when you, when you make your way through life, is this Hamas attack, is this Gog and Magog or the beginnings of Gog and Magog? And there's answers to that, and probably the way you would have to answer that is yes and no. Yes in the long term, no in the short term. Because once you begin to see these things unfold, they're going to they're live out all the way through. But in the short term, no. In the long term, ultimately, yes. And how do they factor in? That's why we're trying to connect the dots. Amen. Amen. So go with me to Ezekiel 38, and let's begin to read from verse number 1. And we'll show you some things here that are important to know because these are a part of the dots that have to be connected. Amen? But in Ezekiel 38, verse number 1, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Now, a little unraveling here. Gog and Magog is Russia and the leader thereof. Some of you have a translation that probably uses the word Rosh in there. How many have one that says Rosh in it? Okay, a number of you do. So that tells you that we're on target with what we're saying. You'll find also the word Meshach is an, is an old word that we would use the word Moscow for now. And the word uh, Tubal is an old word that we would use the word Tubalsk. So Moscow and Tubalsk, Russian cities, are included in there. So you can see the geography of it to be accurate. Okay? So it says, set thy fa face against Russia and the leader of Russia. It says in verse 3, And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, and all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. So that's a, that's a military assault coming against Israel, led by Russia. Amen? Now, that's not even a question. Now, that has not happened, and that is going to happen. Now again, this is what we refer to as the Battle of Gog and Magog. And you, you find it in detail in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Both of those chapters give you great detail of what goes on. And Israel will not win a military victory here. Israel will win because God pushes them back. It'll take the hand of the Lord to do it. And God will do it. So I think God does it that way so that nobody gets credit but Him, but Him. And they will be defeated, and it says five sixths of them will be destroyed. Now, is it five sixths of the whole nations or nations, or is it five sixths of the military? I would suggest it's probably the military. But anyway, whatever the case may be, it'll be an enormous victory for Israel by the hand of God. And they will be soundly defeated. And you can find that in detail in those two chapters. All right? And you can read that and study that. And that's a good study to read after. Amen? Now it says also in verse 5, 
Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all of his bands, the house of Togarma and the north quarters, and of all of his bands, many people with thee. Now, the way the Bible is written, it's written in such a way, it will give you the most important character first, and it'll give you a descending order of the importance. So the second in this descending order is Persia. Now, Persia is primarily modern-day Iran. Have you heard that name lately? We just sent them or released to them uh, some $6 billion, and it's been controversial in the news and on and on and on. But our sanctions that were lifted against Iran recently under our current administration has made them about $70 billion. So somebody said, well, this $6 billion has, has given them the power to, to move forward because since they've got that money now, Hamas is being financed by Iran. They might be being financed by Iran, but they didn't need the $6 because they already had it. And if you think the Arab world is poor, you hadn't done any sightseeing of Dubai. Okay? Now, there's whole other stories here. Lots of them. But the point is, is this is a player. So in the short term, is Hamas a part of Gog and Magog? No. In the long term, obviously. You see it right there. You see the players right there in action. And so you have Ethiopia, Libya, that's Northern Africa. And it's not confined to just those two countries, but it's that Northern Africa region above the Sahara. Okay. And uh, Gomer, and uh, Gomer really uh, consists of a lot of the former Soviet states, but it includes Germany which I think is interesting to me, really interesting. And then the house of Togarma, which is Turkey and surrounding countries. And we won't detail those much more than that. Just to give you that big picture, all of these are players. All right? Okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, okay. Poke your neighbor and say, wake up, he's talking to you. All right. Okay, so again, the answer is, is this the Battle of Gog and Magog? No, short term, yes, leading to it. Amen. Long range forecast, it'll get us there. But you see, now, interesting part of this, and we won't read all the in-betweens because we just don't have time. But in uh, verse 18 and 19 of Ezekiel 38, and all this is connected and all it begins to unfold down through there. But again, for time's sake, we've got to skip down to verse 18. And it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken, surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. Now, the emphasis here that I want to make right here is this word in verse 19 called wrath. Everybody say wrath. wrath. Now, I don't think words are in the Bible just for fun. I think they're there for reasons. 
I think God uses words for reasons because he's conveying a certain thing. There's a law of Bible interpretation. When the first mention of a certain thing, when you see it mentioned again in Scripture, it means the same thing as it did originally unless God draws another attention to it. You follow me? You follow me? That's the law of first mention. So, so words have a consistency on through Scripture. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Interpret the Bible in the light of other verses. Let in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And so you establish truth by the accumulation of truth. Because sometimes you can read a verse and not really understand it. But when you begin to get light from other places, you begin to understand it totally. You begin to understand the concept that was going on there. Amen. And so this word wrath is an important word. And we find in Romans chapter 5 in verse number 9, it says, Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And so talking to the believer, talking to the child of God, we shall be saved from wrath. Amen? Amen? My wrath shall come up in my face. We shall be saved from wrath. We find in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9, it says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation, and that by our Lord Jesus Christ. So the saved people in Scripture are saved, delivered from, exempted from, removed from, not subject to wrath. Agreed? All right. Now you find in the book of Revelation itself, which is the revelation of the end, the last, last, last days. Amen? You find in Revelation 6 and 17, for the great day of his wrath, now that's talking about the tribulation period, the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? So we find that the tribulation period, or the under, unfolding of that uh, tribulation time, is a time of God's wrath, of which Scripture, being very clear, we're not subject to. So therefore, another subject, but it fits, is the rapture must and has to take place before the wrath begins. Agreed? Agreed? All right. So the catching away of the church has to happen before wrath. Amen? Okay. If the battle of Gog and Magog is during the time of wrath, then the church has to be gone before that battle can take place. put here on this earth for a lot of reasons. All of us have a different, unique calling, gift set, and a destination or a destiny. But every bit of that begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll never find your purpose. You'll never find the meaning that you need. You'll never find what you were put here for until you first prioritize Him in your life. You do that by making Him the Lord of your life, giving your life to Him. Pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I take you as my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you to serve you. 
today and forever. Sin, Satan, I don't serve you. Jesus, you are my Lord. I repent of my sins and I make you the Lord of my life. Now, if you prayed that prayer, know you meant it. Let us know here at Power of the Word. We really enjoyed being with you. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And we'll see you next time.